Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us ESPN2, ESPNU, Sirius XM Channel 80, all of our great ESPN stations across the country, as well as the ESPN app. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, at Unsports ESPN on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Day one of the baseball playoffs, guys, in the books. We saw the Rangers, the Twins, finally, the Brewers and the Phillies all, excuse me, the, uh, the Diamondbacks and the Phillies all win yesterday. Brewers were up early 3-0 and end up losing that game. I did not realize this. I got to own this. I did not realize the Twins had not won a playoff game since 2004 because you feel like the Twins are always in the playoffs. They just never actually win in the playoffs. Yeah, they've owned the American League Central, but here's the thing. As a Yankees fan, I knew it had been a long damn time before <laughs> since they won a playoff game oh, you because you know why? We always look at them as the easy win once we get into the second season. So shout out to the Minnesota Twins for being able to get that done. And shout out to Royce Lewis, the rookie, who was just excited to be on the postseason roster. Uh, and made an impact as well. Hell yeah, he did. The Twins had the longest postseason losing streak. It was the longest in North American men's professional sports. You know, I talk sometimes about the Los Angeles Chargers being over like a shroud of meh. It kind of feels like the Twins are that. Because why wouldn't we have been talking about that nonstop, that this is the longest streak of, of not being having a postseason win in professional men's sports that was on the line yesterday? And I assume we would rather have... Now, this is not... You bring this up. I just thought of this. This is not something that... Either one of them you really want, but you'd rather have the longest streak of not winning in the playoffs versus the longest streak of not making the playoffs, like the Jets, right? Mm-hmm. I think. Because at yes. least you're in yes. the dance. Because you're in the postseason. But you're losing every year in the postseason. That wouldn't. Which I guess you'd rather be I'd there. I'd rather have the consistency and have the opportunity being in it versus as opposed not being to not. It. It's yeah. like a raffle, right? Like you can't win unless you have a ticket. I mean, you get your ticket once you get to the postseason. That's why all the players refer to it as punching your ticket. So. I mean, it's a good thing for the Minnesota Twins. I mean, it's just it's crazy to think that a guy that hadn't played the last couple of weeks because of a hamstring injury and potentially being on the fringe as to whether or not he was going to play comes out and gets back-to-back home runs. I mean, uh, the first two plate appearances in the postseason, you're talking about this dude having home runs. He's only the third player in baseball history to be able to do that. You have a couple of those stories, right? Because Evan Longoria, who's a name we all know Mm -hmm. from the Rays back in the day, obviously, goes in there and plays for the Diamondbacks. And there was a whole thing about Tori Lovello, the manager, whether or not he was going to be on the postseason roster. Then he started him at third base. And then he made a great defensive play in the fifth inning from preventing, potentially, there's English, um, the Brewers Brewers from potentially retaking the lead in that. But if you run through the games, the Rangers win 4-0 over Tampa. Story of that game, two things. Jordan Montgomery, sorry, CeCe, is a Yankee fan. He was on the Yankees. He's traded for Harrison Bader. And yeah, the so, sorry, Michelle, but you. the Cardinals are That's the ones true. that gave him to the Rangers. That's true. Yeah, traded for Harrison Bader with the Cardinals to the Yankees, and now obviously, uh, or vice versa, yeah. and now obviously with the Rangers, seven innings strong yesterday. Tampa, though, four errors in that game. 
Just brutal. You know, we talked about the Giants at this time yesterday, about all the special teams penalties and the penalties yep. in general. The Tampa Bay Rays made four errors in one playoff game. No, it wasn't great. And Tyler Glasnow wasn't great either because you're talking about a guy that had five walks and two, two leadoff walks at the top of the sixth inning, and, you're ta- and that ended up leading the runs for the Rangers. So it was a sloppy brand of baseball for the Tampa Bay Rays, and it's uncharacteristic. And yesterday when we had Buster Olney on the show, he said that Kevin Cash and the Tampa Bay Rays probably have the most pressure of anybody that was playing in the wild card games yesterday in order to go on a deep playoff run. So it's it's uncharacteristic for a team like Tampa that usually capitalizes on everybody else's mistakes. They were the one that made all the mistakes yesterday, and the Rangers made them pay. Absolutely. Tampa Bay is normally very fundamentally sound on defense. It was their most errors in a postseason game since 2008. So you're absolutely right. It's out of character for them. And they certainly helped the Texas Rangers in this one. They were one for six with runners in scoring position. They stranded nine base runners through five innings. And those errors from Tampa Bay certainly shifted this game. We talk about the Twins, right, in that game, and the fact that they won yesterday over Toronto 3-1. The Brewers uh, we're up 3 nothing. They lose to the Diamondbacks. One note from that game i got to bring up, and I know that you brought up uh, Corbin Carroll yesterday, Small, so I'll yeah. let you go off on that one because he had awesome. a great game. You know that great fan, Marlins man, the guy yeah. who's at every yeah, yeah, yeah. game, basically in all sports, and he's wearing an orange Marlins jersey? You know that guy? Oh, how do you not know him? Well, what's interesting is um, he was at the Brewers game yesterday, and the Marlins played. If you're Marlins man, shouldn't you be going? And I know it was in Philly, but, but if your whole shtick is – I'm going to go to as many sporting events as possible. Don't you go to your own team in the playoffs? You would think one would expect that he would be there, right? He was at the Brewers game against the Diamondbacks. I, I don't understand that. Is he doing some advanced scouting? What's going on? <laughs> not, if you not if you don't win, he's not. I think he's team him. He's team him getting a ticket and team him getting on camera. Well, it won, he won Way on more that than one. the Marlins. He won on that one. So well, it's probably safer for an opposing fan to go to that game than it is to go to the Phillies game at Citizens Bank Park. Fair. Our Pat Costello could probably co-sign on that. What it was, 45,000 people at Citizens Bank Park last night? 45,000? They support their team. Ooh. There's no question. We'll get Ooh. to that in a second. But uh, Corbin Carroll is somebody you brought up yesterday, Smalls. People go back on the uh, ESPN app and listen to the podcast. He had a big game, two for three, two runs, two hits, a home run, two walks yesterday for the Diamondbacks against the Brewers. Yeah, he's an absolute star. Um, as a rookie, he was the first player ever to combine combine 50-plus steals with 25-plus home runs and 10-plus triples in the same season. I thought that the Diamondbacks might be a year away from being a team that could really advance and make some noise in the playoffs, but... Corbin Carroll pro- proving that it doesn't matter if you don't have the experience that the stage was not too big for him. And the the last game last night, and of course all these games heard on ESPN Radio and seen on the ESPN family of networks, the Phillies beating the Marlins 4-1. Zach Wheeler, six and two-thirds, five hits, one run, one earned, eight strikeouts. As a Mets fan, it's frustrating. He was a Met. He goes to the Phillies, and of course, like every other Met, better elsewhere than they are with the actual team. But he mowed down the Marlins last night. Yeah, outside of the five aces with the Mets, remember that whole group with DeGrom and Syndergaard and Matt Harvey and Steven Matz? I mean, and Wheeler. Zach, Zach, yeah. outside yeah. of, like, I'm just sitting there thinking about it. DeGrom actually lived up to the billing. Zach Wheeler might be the second in line with all of those guys. I mean, I know Matt Harvey was great early on, but he got hurt. Syndergaard ain't the same dude, and he had the Tommy John surgery. Like, he had the shoulder issue, not Tommy John, shoulder issue. Like, he's probably the guy out of all of them 
that that that's kind of lived up to the promise. Now, unfortunately, just he had to wonderful. do it somewhere else. Yeah, just great. Well, yeah. listen, I didn't have a great day yesterday. The Rangers had two of my pitchers. You had Jordan Montgomery, who's going to be a free agent this offseason, put in a call, Brian Cashman. And then you had Araldis Chapman, who set up uh, uh, the closer in the ninth. Like, he, he, he did his thing. So, I just – I. It wasn't a great day for Yankees fans or New York baseball fans in general because we see guys that used to play on New York teams starring in the postseason. It wasn't a great day for Cardinals fans either, CeCe. We had Jordan Montgomery as well, a team that certainly could have used ours first. him. He was ours first. And you know what? The Yankees were really upset when they moved on from him. He was a big, big uh, favorite in the clubhouse. So I understand your pain there. But, you know, I know the Marlins didn't win last night, but to listen to the broadcast on ESPN just talk about how great Skip Schumacher is and how he brought over John Jay and John Mayberg and instilled the cardinal way, the winning culture into Miami as us in St. Louis are watching our team sit at home in the postseason. Wasn't great for us either, CeCe. Wasn't a great night for Cardinals fans either. Well, but no, it, well, I guess if they won, it would be that you'd feel like the little brothers basically actually won or the, the extension of that Cardinals family. But, you know, one of the interesting themes from yesterday were the fans because, you know, there was a few storylines that were pretty interesting relative to the fandom yesterday. The Rays wildcard opener had 19,704 people. That is the lowest since 1919 for a non-COVID postseason year. Basically, what that tells you, and I'm reading it off of ESPN.com, what that tells you is that nobody showed up for a playoff game. Right. And conversely, if you think about, you know, CC brought up the 45,000 fans in Philly and all the dollars that they're paying to go in there and, and enjoy it. Trey Turner last night on SportsCenter spoke to Scott Van Pelt, their shortstop, about that crowd. Let's take a listen. It's definitely home field advantage. I think, uh, you know, it's been electric all year. They've showed up all year for us uh, since game one, but and the postseason's turned up a notch, and it puts pressure on those guys to uh, throw strikes and play defense on the other side and, and the little things, and I think, um, you know, those are taken for granted, and uh, our fans give us that advantage. So it's fun playing here. Tonight was electric, and looking forward to it tomorrow again. All right, you also had Rocco Baldelli, the Twins manager, getting the first playoff win for the Twins since 2004. After the game, he's sitting there in a press conference, and you're thinking, okay, who's he going to credit? Is he going to credit the rookie Royce Lewis with the two home runs? He credits the fans. Take a listen. The, the ballpark, I think, was a great representation today of how the, the community here feels about, feels about us and, and what we do. It was, I thought the place was going to split, split open and melt, like honestly. Like it was out of this universe, out there on the field. The fans took over the game. They helped us win today. They helped us win the game, and they helped us in, in so many ways out there. You could see it if you're just visually watching and, and seeing how the players were reacting on the other side of the field. It's, it's the energy, but it's actually a challenging environment to play in right now. I am fascinated by this as to whether people listening right now and watching right now on ESPN2 and ESPNU think they make a difference. Right, like us as fans, when you buy a ticket to a game, do you think you make a difference? 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776 is the telephone number, the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Do you think you actually, like, you're going to buy a ticket, you're going to show up, you're going to go crazy. Do you feel like you play a factor? Because the Twins and the Phillies are saying you did yesterday. CCU played 11 years in the NFL. Do the fans actually make a difference? When somebody buys a ticket and they go to a game, do you feel like they make a difference? Oh, no doubt. And I remember a couple of years ago when you had the 2020 COVID season in the NFL, that was something that a lot of players voiced in terms of being able to have 
the kind of energy level that you're looking for in order to compete in a National Football League game. It's, it's, it's interesting when you have that burst of energy, when you hear the crowd, whether it's your home, home crowd or, or away crowd, like just being able to feel that energy, it's palpable once you run out of the tunnel and get ready for the game. And so, yeah, I, I think it absolutely plays a difference, especially when in the intensity ratchets up in the postseason, and you could see it make a difference in the performance of players. I mean, Zach Wheeler last night, the guy's pumping in 98, 99-mile-per-hour fastballs. I think he had nine fastballs that were in the 97 to 99 range. That's the hardest he's thrown all year. I mean, you're talking about a guy that had outstanding command. He was pumping them in there, had a lot of first-pitch strikes, got ahead in a lot of counts. It was clear that the crowd at Citizens Bank Park had an impact on how he was performing. Not to say that he's not a great pitcher, because I think he had 212 strikeouts on the season, but this dude took it up a notch. He took it to a different level, and I think the combination of the stakes with the postseason and the crowd's intensity allowed him to put together that type of performance. So shout out to the Phillies fans. Uh, all Phillies fans not named Pat Costello because I don't want to give them a shout out ever. But you understand what I'm saying. It makes a difference when you have the crowd being able to create the environment for you and set the stage for athletes to be at their best. As somebody who's been fortunate enough to be at a lot of postseason baseball games covering the Cardinals so long in my career, it absolutely makes a difference. And fans know that they make a difference. Players talk about it all the time, about capturing that energy and feeling the vibrations from the fans. And watching that game last night, you could feel the energy that was coming out of Philly through the TV. When when Nick Castellanos gets on base and he throws up the ring finger and the crowd goes crazy, you feel that if I can feel it on my couch I can't even imagine how that transfers over to the players and their energy level and if you're Tampa and you have a big postseason game and you don't have that same crowd I'm sure it affects you in a different way I'm glad you brought that up there's a counter to everything we said we're going to get to that coming up plus in the craziest of ways we want your phone calls on this at 888-SAY-ESPN 888-729-3776 do you feel like the crowd makes a difference for your team winning and losing like when you buy a ticket to a game do you feel like you're making a difference Plus, the craziest of ways, this is what I'm talking about. I can't believe I'm even asking this question. Could the Steelers move on from Mike Tomlin sooner rather than later? We'll get to that next. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Can the twins work it? They did yesterday. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-SAY-ESPN. Is your telephone number to be a part of the show, 888-729-3776. You're bobbing your head, you're dancing to this song, CC. Yeah, I'm trying to catch a vibe right now. Well, I'm going to tell you why this is playing. Why is that? This was the number one song on October 4th, 2004, the last time the Minnesota Twins won a playoff game before last night. Really? Yeah. Well, shout out to Sierra, because she looks the exact same. That song she has out now is great, too. 
the, how we roll. Very, very, yeah, like that song. Okay. Um, so here's my counter to the fan thing. We're talking about whether or not the fans matter in this spot. So this comes from a few things. It comes from the Rays having basically nobody there mm-hmm. in, in a, for a playoff game versus the Phillies and the Twins basically crediting their fans for winning. So when you're, you guys are saying fairly, hey, it absolutely matters. It changes the game. Then maybe if you have the 45,000 there in Tampa yesterday, maybe they actually win the game and there's a little bit of energy instead of losing the game. How do we then explain the Tampa Bay Rays, who we know do not have a big fan base, in 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23 making the playoffs every year? How do we explain that? Unless you're just saying, hey, they are an anomaly, which they may be because they're fundamentally sound and whatever else you're saying about them and then really well run, they may be that anomaly, but like they're in the playoffs every year and they're successful every year. But making the playoffs and being able to win a World Series is totally different. And do I think that the fans are the ultimate X factor? Like, do I think if Bryce Harper gets hurt that the fans' energy is going to be able to carry the Phillies over the finish line and, and into the confetti? No. But I certainly think from an energy standpoint, especially when you have a crowd like we saw in Philly last night that has it throughout the entire game. So it doesn't matter who's pitching or who's up at bat that you're feeling that palpable energy, that vibration. I do think that 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 matters. It 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 is something that, as a player, I mean, Cece, you can certainly speak to this better than me. But in talking to a lot of players, that that keeps you up and keeps you locked in, and make in like it hones in all of the feelings that you have. Yeah, I mean, I think it impacts both sides of this equation, both teams, right? Like, if you don't have fans in a building, like, not only is it a, a competitive dis. It, not only is it a dis- not even a disadvantage because both teams are going to feel the impact of an empty arena or an empty stadium. So it's just it's one of those things that it's it's a I guess it's a nothing burger if you talk about having no fans and maybe you don't have the same type of intensity, same type of energy that you otherwise would in a different stadium. So to answer your question, I think it's it ends up being an an equal playing field when you don't have anybody in there. Now, if you do have a huge crowd, it impacts some people different than others. It impacts certain players different than others. And I think overall, you see a better version of baseball, a better version of those players, if you have fans in the crowd adding to the intensity that the playoff stage is all about. Was there a place that you would go and play on the road for any of your three teams, Dallas, the Giants, and the Ravens, where you'd be like, oh, this is fine. This is like not even playing a road game. Oh, Green Bay. Green Bay. Really? Green Bay is not a tough place to play. No, oh. never had a problem in Green Bay. Whether I was with the Cowboys, whether I was with the Giants, never had a problem in Green Bay. Conversely, playing in Seattle, that's a real thing. Not only is it the travel, but it's the crowd noise. And it would impact the offense more than it impact the defense. But the crowd noise is something that you feel. And then Philly is just a hostile environment. I hated going to Philly. Because you just never knew what was going to happen on your way into the stadium, and you never knew what they were going to throw at you on your way out of the tunnel. So I understand what the Miami Marlins were feeling yesterday with that hostile Citizens Bay crowd being on top of them. Again, the crowd does make a difference. I think Smalls hit the nail on the head. It's not the end-all, be-all, but if all things are equal, that could be the differentiating factor in your team getting on the other side of the game. And I know that, People in Tampa will talk about how it's difficult to get to the stadium. They, they have these obstacles that are in place. People in L.A. will talk about the traffic or whatever. I think that that doesn't matter. If this is postseason baseball and you have a, a true rabid fan base, they're taking the day off. It doesn't matter what time the game is. It doesn't matter if you have to cross a bridge. It doesn't matter if there's traffic. People are planning for this in advance. You think anything was going to stop Twins fans from getting to Target Field last night? No. And packing the place? 
I don't think so. Well, uh, fan base is not a worry, I don't think, at all in Pittsburgh with the Steelers, that's for sure, as they have the be- one of the best fan bases in all of sports. But there may be a worry with the Steelers right now. And Pat McAfee, who you see on ESPN, ESPN Television Plus, and YouTube as well, um, had this to say yesterday about Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Feels like this is a different year for Tomlin. Feels like mm. all the acceptance of just him being the coach for the Steelers is being viewed a little bit differently. And every time he does, which this is how Tomlin has answered things for his entire career as the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. He's been loyal to his very core, like that to his coaches. Yeah. He is going to remain the same thing. He has all his statements that basically say, we don't overreact when everybody else is doing it. But it feels like this year, the reaction from the people that are normally on his side, because there's always been detractors in Pittsburgh, but the people that are normally on his side, sounds like they're getting a little bit more quiet. And it's like going the other way. Could you imagine Rooney? decides, like, all right, it's time to move on from Mike Tomlin. It feels like that's chance this year. And I've never felt that over the last 15 years, pretty much, with Tomlin as the head coach. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating statements from Pat. Again, he's not reporting anything. He's not saying they're going to. But even raising the question is stunning. The guy's never had a losing season in his career. We heard all those rumors a couple of years ago, which he denied, which were never true, about him to USC. Remember, there was, like, a thing about that. Smalls, I hear this, and I think it's a fair question to ask. Just like CC has asked about Belichick, I'd be stunned, absolutely stunned, if the Steelers moved on from Tomlin. I would be stunned as well, and it's an interesting point that Pat McAfee brings up because I think most people don't even consider that that would even be an option for Mike Tomlin. Even if they had a, a really, really rough season, everything that he's been able to put together, the resume as a whole, never having a losing season, having won a Super Bowl, he's only 51 years old. This is a guy that people absolutely love to play for. I mean, CeCe, I'm sure you know, anybody that you talk to that's played under Mike T talks about how much they adore him and how they would want, want to run through a wall for him. And I, I would just caution the Steelers. I know that if the result is not there, you might be – thinking that maybe the messaging is stale and you want to make a change, but are you really going to be able to find somebody that's better than him? I don't know. I just I, I would be shocked if it happened. Yeah, I mean, the standard that they've been able to establish since he's been the head coach, I mean, they've never been over 500, and, and we talked about this a little bit with the Minnesota Twins. Like, if you're always in the tournament, then you give yourself a chance. They, they've been in the playoffs two of the last three years. And they're transitioning away from a legendary quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, a guy that's won two Super Bowls for him. Now, I get that they've only had three playoff wins since they lost in Super Bowl 45 against the Packers in Dallas. But at the same time, your team is always in the tournament. And your team is also transitioning away from a legend at quarterback. Look at the other teams that are transitioned away from legends potential Hall of Fame quarterbacks in recent memory. How did it look at the end for the Giants with Eli Manning? How did it look for the Patriots over the last few years without Tom Brady? How does it look for the, the, the Saints without Drew Brees? Hell, how does it look for the Green Bay Packers four games into Jordan Love's career post-Aaron Rod- Like, it's never pretty transitioning away from a Hall of Fame quarterback, so I don't understand why Steelers fans are in such a rush to get rid of Mike Tomlin when he's the guy that you need in terms of being a constant while you break in a new guy in Kenny Pickett. 100%. And by the way, I'll add another one, which you never think about with this guy with this team because you think about another team, but the Broncos after Peyton Manning. Right, we always think about Peyton Manning, yeah. Colts in the transition. But look, they tried Flacco, right? They're trying Russell Wilson. You guys don't think that's working right now? I'll defend Russell Wilson a little bit more than you guys. But Mike Tomlin, through this transition, has done significantly better than anyone else. I don't believe the Rooney's are thinking about this. And let me just tell you, if the Pittsburgh Steelers move on from Mike Tomlin, he will be the single greatest 
coaching free agency in the history of the sport. He will get any dollar figure he wants from any team he wants. You want to talk about the Patriots moving on from Belichick? I don't believe it's going to happen. But if that guy is available, then I'll have the conversation. If you say to me, CC, Evan, I know you don't want to believe it, but what if I told you? Right? We do 30 for 30. What if I told you? (laughs) What if I told you Robert Kraft and and Mike Tomlin behind the scenes are having conversations? All right. Then we could talk. But until then, no. I don't think so. Isn't it wild to think that we could exist in an offseason where both Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin could be without a job? Ain't happening. I'll bet bet you. I'll wear your mesh dress that you wore to Coachella (laughs) on the air if both of them are coaching free agents. Will you wear the swimsuit top underneath? I don't know what that means, but sure, whatever you want. Uh, Coming up, are we seeing another heel turn in the NFL? We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN2, ESPNU, Sirius XM80, ESPN app, all of our great stations across the country that will be carrying all the baseball today, the Game 2s, where CC is annoyed that the ex-Yankees are doing well. Well, today may not be better for you. You got Nathan Avaldi going for the Rangers and Sonny Gray going for, <laughs> still in baseball. Freaking Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray. Who literally who, they could, had, who couldn't couldn't freaking hit could, the strike zone when he was with the Yankees. He couldn't find the strike zone. He could but he did find Brian Cashman where they had that whole thing where it's like, all right, you know what? He just doesn't fit here. And they like announced he didn't fit with the Yankees. But those two guys, Gray going for Minnesota to close out that series, and Evaldi going for the Rangers to close out that series. Well, yesterday, Aaron Rodgers quarterback New York Jets, uh, joined the Pat McAfee show. And boy, did he have an interesting appearance, as he always does. Um, And let's hear some of McAfee, because there's some interesting comments here. Um, Well, let's start with this, because he had that big speech to the team, I guess, on Saturday night, and uh, we all heard about it. And how did Rodgers feel about that? I will say this, you know, when it comes to, you know, uh, some of the stuff I talked about, uh, I think that was one of the more disappointing things about the entire weekend, is that you know, part of the process of, of uh, being a team that's connected and being a team that sticks together is that there's some things that are meant for the locker room and conversations that it should stay in the media room, should stay in the locker room, should stay in the hotel. And I'm not, you know, I, 
obviously, uh, I love the opportunity to speak to the team, and I thought the message was important. And it was off the cuff, and I hadn't, didn't have notes or anything, and actually didn't even know Salah just wanted me to speak. That was the whole the whole meeting was me up there, you know, kind of rambling for 15. about ten minutes. But I think that's part of it. We need to learn as an organization to, to some things need to be kept in house. Well, um, welcome to New York, Aaron. It's been waiting for you because that is part of uh, being in New York. I think that happens all the time, right? CC. I mean, like that's like. If you're going to sign here or get traded here, you got to know it's different than anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think it's uh, a matter of the organization being buttoned up as as much as it is being in the magnifying glass. I mean, no team is going to get the kind of media coverage scrutiny outside of the Dallas Cowboys in the National Football League than the New York team. So this is what comes along with it. You take the fleas with the dog and – the thing that I'm I'm cringing about when I hear that soundbite is Aaron Rodgers has shown himself to be a narcissist more so than anyone else in sports. He loves this. Why is he trying to front like he doesn't like this? This dude loves the attention. He loves the fact that he's the, the guy that can make the difference even if he's not playing, being on the sidelines, being there with Zach Wilson. He loves this. So he's got to miss me with the whole idea of, oh, I didn't want it to get out, that I was talking to the team. Bruh, stop, man. We know that you love the attention. We know that you want it to be about you. Like the NFL doing hard knocks was about you. The fact that the the, the Jets have five primetime games, that's about you. Why would you make us think or why would you try to lead us to believe that you don't like it being about you, that you don't like the fact that you addressed the team on Saturday before the game and knowing the stakes of it and knowing how important it is. Like, nah, stop, man. You got to miss me with that, man. Like, this guy is never missing an opportunity to be vocal, to try to send a message to his team. The fact that he actually addressed the team in person, got out, and that he's upset about it, I, I just, I can't buy it. I didn't think it was anything scandalous that was revealed, obviously. And I just think it's a, a little ironic that he is saying he's upset that people within the team, within the locker room, spoke to the media as he's doing a hit with Pat McAfee on the media. Right. And listen, I love it. We love that you're on with Pat McAfee, Aaron. Keep coming. Keep giving us the quotes. It's amazing. But he has to understand, too, the emotions of the team right now and how low they were and how much he clearly means to them. I mean, him speaking to the team and his presence at that game, it clearly had an impact on them. Clearly, they have such respect and reverence for this guy, and he's been able to galvanize them to such a degree that we saw how they were at the beginning of the season when he was there and how they were when he was taken away. And the fact that he came back and you saw a different version of this Jets team, I'm not surprised in any way that his teammates or people within the organization would want to talk about it. Well, he also said something else, and we have no interest in getting into any kind of uh, medical debate. We're not qualified. Uh, political debate, debate, we have no interest. But, um, yeah, well, he gave um, Travis Kelsey a new nickname yesterday. I think there's some sentiment that there's some sort of moral victory out there that we hung with the, you know, with the champs and, and that, uh, you know, our defense played well and, and, you know, uh, Pat didn't have a crazy game and, uh, you know, Mr. Pfizer, we kind of shut him down a little bit. He didn't have, you know, his like crazy impact game. Obviously he had, you know, some yards and stuff, but. Well, there is a multi-million dollar um, employee for Johnson & Johnson talking about Mr. Pfizer as Woody Johnson owns the <laughs> New York Jets. I mean, why Why even go there? I don't Because he thinks that. he's cute. I just told you he's a narcissist. He thinks he's cute. Like, he walks into a room and thinks that he's the smartest man in the room, no matter what room it is. Like, the automatic assumption, I'm the smartest guy in the room. Like, this gives me... 
<laughs> and the irony of that is this is the guy that stepped into a press conference and was asked when he, whether or not he was vaccinated. He said, I was, quote, unquote, immunized. Like, this is who Aaron Rodgers is. I don't know why anybody else is surprised. Like, I hear all of these things and I say, that's who this dude is. He is a narcissist. He wants it all to be about him. He wants everybody to think that he's the smartest person in the room. And nothing about what's happened over the last six or eight months is going to change. Do you think that Travis Kelsey responds by saying something about Mr. Ayahuasca? or Mr. Darkness Retreat, or he has some sort of verbal jab back in response to this? I don't think there's any upside in Travis Kelsey doing that. I think Travis Kelsey's got to stay out of that. I mean, Taylor Swift can write a diss track, maybe. (laughs) Maybe that's where you go with this. But this is an interesting heel turn that I don't think we saw coming because I think we've all looked at Aaron Rodgers as, wow, he's embracing everything with New York. This is the first time... I think not the, the Mr. Pfizer comments. I think about the meeting getting out and everything like that. This is the first time where maybe you're looking at him and be like, is there a chance he doesn't like this situation? Maybe? Possibly? Is there a chance it's a two-way street? You said, CeCe, that they're, they're, from the Jets' perspective, it's not definitive that they keep him for next year based on health and everything like that. Maybe it's not definitive he keeps them. Maybe he, maybe they break up before they even get married here. But, I mean, where, where is he going? No, I mean, like, somebody where, will take like, him. Like, somebody will take him, but he's not going to be given the keys to the franchise like he was given with the Jets. We don't know what version of Aaron Rodgers – Go show up in his age 41 season coming off of an Achilles. So, no, I, I, I mean, listen, this, this guy gave back $35 million to help the Jets win over the next couple of years. I just I don't see him transitioning to another team or deciding that because the Jets let his pregame speech to the team this weekend leak. I, I just I don't see him deciding to go somewhere else. Like, this is one of those Aaron Rodgers trying to, quote-unquote, put everybody on notice. But I think behind closed doors, everybody realizes that Aaron Rodgers is eating it up, that he loves this stuff. All right, we had a busy day in baseball playoffs yesterday. Nobody showed up for the Rays. Everybody showed up for the Twins and the Phillies, the Aaron Rodgers conversation. We'll talk to you at 888-SAY-ESPN. Mike in Detroit listening on the or watching and listening on the ESPN app. What's up, Mike? Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. Okay, thanks for having me. Um, fans are very important, <clears throat> super important. Evan, super fan of you. Love the haircut. Oh, thank TC you. looking crispy, clean in the white. And Michelle, love the jacket with the headphones. Always on point, girl. Fans, super, we matter. Okay. Tampa was at home. Nobody showed up and they got shut out. You don't think some, some fans in the crowds couldn't have woke up that team? Look, look at the Chargers. When they're at home, they got more, more Raiders fans that show up to their games. You know, Justin Herbert's covering his ears at his own game. Fans matter. CC said, yes, as a competitive advantage, but for morale boost. We matter. Everyone knows it. And it's very sad that Tampa had no one show up. But when everybody shows up in Detroit, baby, let's go. You know I'm repping our squad. <laughs> We're going 4-1 and one this week. We're going to be loud. Defend the den. That's all I got. Thanks, guys. Well, thank Love you, Mike. It, Mike. It, you know, it's an interesting call because the Chargers thing is a very interesting one. Because they always have people showing up for the other team. Now, they did win this week, though. But, you know, Cece, i got to circle back to one thing you said. Because a bunch of people are reaching out on this, and it's a really interesting thing that you brought up. You said, because we're talking about the fandom and where it's hard to play, not hard to play. You said, when I went to Green Bay, nothing affected me there. It was nothing with nothing. Is that like a Midwest nice thing that people in the the Midwest are so nice that you didn't feel the hecklers? Or why was Green Bay Oh, hell no, because when you go to Cleveland, you absolutely feel it. Like, I mean, it just depends on where you play. It's (laughs) it's case by case. I don't think it's a carte blanche based on the region or anything like that. There are just some fan bases that are more than tense than others. Green Bay has never felt like that kind of intense 
atmosphere, even though I know the fans are deeply passionate about right. the Green Bay Packers. So I, I just think it's a little bit of a different a different feel, a different vibe. And maybe it's because Green Bay is one of those national teams, right? When you look at national teams, the Dallas Cowboys, national teams. Dallas was never a hostile environment. Playing at Texas Stadium, playing at AT&T, it was never a hostile environment. I played for the team for four years and never felt like we had a decided home field advantage because of the crowd. So I just think it depends on the team, the organization, and 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 the 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 I guess the fan base and how they I guess how they enjoy their experience, their game day experience. I, I just think it's case by case. I don't think it's one of those things you can paint with a broad brush. Coming up, which one win team in the NFL still has? An ounce of hope. We will get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and all of our great ESPN stations across the country, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. You can be a part of Unsportsmanlike Nation. Dr. Pepper call in line at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one's Fans deserve. All right, as we look around the NFL right now, and we think about some of these one-win teams that are out there. Patriots, Jets, Bengals, Raiders, Broncos, Giants, Vikings, and Cardinals. Is there any one of them, CC, that you would look at and say, maybe there is an ounce of hope for a little bit of a comeback to possibly make the postseason? No. No. No, they're all they're all done. They're all, I mean, l- listen, they're all done. If there was one team that I would point to and say maybe, maybe there's a glimmer of hope, it would be the Cincinnati Bengals. But not until they make the decision that they're going to shut down Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow has got to be able to get healthy. He's got to be able to plant off of that calf and throw the ball down the field. He's got to be able to escape the pocket when there's pressure and have some of those second reaction plays, uh, being able to create explosives in the passing game. Uh, until that happens, the Cincinnati Bengals, just like all of those other one-win te- one, one teams, are, are going to be dead in the water. I, I just don't see how they get right. And it's interesting because you're talking about a team for the first time in a long time 
having expectations that they'll be in the postseason. Like they've gone to back to back AFC championship games. They've got a young core of players that you feel good about with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon. They upgraded on the offensive line by being able to bring over Orlando Pace Jr. Hasn't felt like an upgrade because he hasn't played well. But I, again, until the Bengals actually decide, you know what? The guy that's out there playing in the number nine jersey is not Joe Burrow because of that calf injury, until they decide to rest him and allow him to get healthy for the second half of the season, their fate is going to be the same as all of those other teams that have three losses. The team that I'm looking at and that I'm going to be paying attention to is the Minnesota Vikings. I refuse to believe that they're this bad. When you look at their losses, they lost to Tampa Bay, who's better than a lot of people expected. Baker Mayfield's playing great. They lost to the Eagles, they lost to the Chargers, and then they beat the Panthers. Six of their next eight games, I think, could be winnable for them. Now that they've gotten their first win, maybe they get a little bit of momentum. I don't think they're going to win this week versus Kansas City, and I don't think they're going to win win Week 7 versus San Francisco. But outside of that, they have the Bears twice, Green Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans, and Denver. You're looking at six winnable games in that eight-game stretch. I want to go back to... Okay, I don't agree. I understand what you're saying, but I just don't have faith in that team because I think that their luck is going to run out from last year. Um, and as I've been saying all year on the under with that, I want to go back to something you said about the Bengals. Mm. Think about the complexity of what you just said. You just said the only way the Bengals have a shot is if they bench a top five quarterback because he's not a top five quarterback because of he's the, a bottom five quarterback, right? Because of the health, right? And you're not saying Joe Burrow in general. You're saying whatever we're seeing out there is a bottom five quarterback because yeah. he's not himself. What's interesting about this is I think the most logical argument to make for a 1-3 and team making the playoffs is pick the 1-3 and team in the NFC South. Problem is, there is no 1-3 and team in the NFC South. You have the Bucks at 3-1, and the Falcons at 2-2, and, two and the Saints at 2-2. Two and two. That I think the conclusion that I'm coming to and listen to you guys speak on this is if you're 1-3 and in the NFL, you're done. You are done, right? We always used to think 0-2 was the done mark. Mm-hmm. 1-3 may be more of the done mark. And obviously 0-3, 0-4, we know that. But like 1-3 is the new done mark in the NFL, I think. Uh, I mean, listen, every now and again we see teams that get off to really, really slow starts find a way to rise up. I mean, the Texans started out, what, 0-3 in 2018 and found a way to make it to the postseason. So it can happen every now and again. But you got to have upper echelon quarterback play in order to be that equalizing factor. And, and, and the Bengals are just not getting that right now from Joe Burrow. Now, they've got two more games before their bye week, the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. you got a backup quarterback for a reason. Jake Browning, don't know much about him, not familiar with his work. But i got to believe if he's on your roster as the backup quarterback that he's capable of being able to go out there with this supporting cast – that defense and find a way to get you a split over the next two games. If you go into your bye week at two and four and you're going to get a fully healthy Joe Burrow in week eight against the San Francisco 49ers and for the rest of the season, then I think you got a shot. But right now, based on what they got, what they're rolling out there at quarterback, no chance. Is there any chance an AFC West team, Raiders or Broncos, either one of them have life at one and three? I don't think so. <laughs> well, Do you, I know you're a Russ guy. Are you, are you asking that question so that you can say that you have faith in Russ and that he's actually been better than people are giving him see, credit for? Right. Here's the problem. Yes, he has been. <laughs> but here's the problem. Two of their next three games are against the Chiefs. Mm. The Chiefs are just like, you can't pick someone against the Chiefs. No. They may lose, but you can't sit here consciously unless they're playing at San Fran. Is there any other game you could look at and say, oh, I'll pick against the Chiefs? The answer is no. I think a lot of us picked the Lions in the opener, but they didn't have Travis Kelsey or Chris Jones. 
And it was the opener, and it was like, you know, th- that always happens that way, I but feel like. But that's the outlier. I right, think, that's yeah. the out- outlier in that. And that's why it's hard when you look at these divisions. You're looking at the teams that they're playing multiple times a year, and it's why I went to the NFC South, but there is no 1-3 and three team. And I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, no, Carolina's going to bounce back at 0-4. They have a rookie quarterback, which means there's going to be development. There's going to be hiccups along the way. I think that CeCe's right. I think when you look at one and three, and even me as a Patriots fan, I have to say this. When you look at one and three, you have to assume your team is done. Well, the Lions started one and six last year, and then they finished nine and eight, and they were knocking on the door. They were able to have an incredible second half turnaround. But didn't make the playoffs. But they but they were putting themselves in a position to do so. Yeah. Here, Just because here, you're one and four doesn't mean you're dead Here's another water. team that we can throw out there, the New York Jets. I, I, I know that it sounds crazy, but if you get the version of Zach Wilson that we saw against the Kansas City Chiefs, you got a shot. I mean, think about it. Even with Aaron Rodgers, we said through their first six games, based on the schedule, if they split, if they go three and three, then there's a chance that they can get to the postseason and there might be a chance that they can win a division. Now, the latter point is out the window because of how good the Bills and the Dolphins look. But, I mean, listen, if the Jets go into their bye week at two and four instead of three and three, I don't think it's over. I mean, it just depends on how Zach Wilson plays. I mean, coming out of the bye week, you got the Giants, the Chargers, and the Raiders. Based on how they played on Sunday, those are all winnable games. So again, I, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm grasping, I'm <laughs> grasping for hope right now with with the Jets. I'm grasping for hope with the Cincinnati Bengals. But of the one win teams through the first four games, those would be the two that I would point to and say maybe you got a shot. Do you have more confidence in one than the other? (sighs) You know what? That's a great question. I'm going to say it, and I can't believe I'm going to say it. I got more confidence in the Jets. I thought you did, which I got. I I got more confidence in the Jets. I can't believe I'm saying it. The team that's gone to the conference championship game each of the last two years, I got more confidence in the Jets bouncing back before the Bengals. Coming up, Jerry Jones speaks. We listen next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.